0: Welcome to Discovering Nutrition Chronometer. I am your host and community marketing manager, Elisa. And today I am thrilled to have on special guest, Dr. Dwayne Jackson. Dr. Jackson is a father, athlete, health specialist, medical educator, scientist, and an entrepreneur. He has over 12 years of university education in exercise and human physiology, medicine, and nutritional biochemistry. Dr. Jackson holds a PhD in neurovascular physiology and has been educated at some of the top academic institutions in North America. Those include the University of Ottawa, the University of Western Ontario, and Yale University School of Medicine. In this episode, we sit down with Dr. Jackson to discuss men's health, how to combat the detrimental effects of shift work, the role alcohol plays in our health, and how much we can actually drink without impacting our health. We also discuss why starting self-care and stress management matters right now. As always, this podcast is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including getting medical advice. The use of information from this podcast is at the user's own risk and is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So I do have a number of questions about men's health. Obviously, I am not a man, and a lot of the things I, I personally haven't really experienced. But I do have so many men in my life that I adore and would love for them to be as healthy as possible. And then I asked all of our um, my male coworkers at work if they had questions, and then I asked our community if they had questions, and we have a lot. And thankfully. Uh, I read your bio. You have a lot of expertise <laughs> in in nutrition in general, which is which is amazing. You went to school for twelve years, is that right?
1: Yeah. So I um I, I went to university. Uh, yeah. So I left for university after my pro motocross career, basically because my parents like were like all over my back to like go to school. Luckily enough, when I was younger, I, my parents somehow gave me a decent brain, so I didn't actually school wasn't really a real tough thing for me. So I'd set myself up for university just by by accident. I I, I just wanted to be a pro athlete, and so my grandmother was like, you know, you gotta go off to university like Mark Trotman's daughter went. You know, and I was like one of the first people in like my neighborhood <laughs> to even go off. So I went off to university, went to University of Ottawa here in Canada, did my undergraduate degree in uh, kinesiology, and just like loved it, just completely just. Fell in love with academia. High school was way too easy and it just was boring, but loved university. So I I just stayed in it. I stayed in university. Um, I actually stayed in university for about 30 years, to be honest, because I uh I I went I went to university, kept going, and then you know, 13 years later, I'm a professor in medicine. Uh And, you know, I'm training people in surgery and all these weird techniques that I've learned over the years and had a big lab, um, studied uh basically autonomic nervous system control and the impact of stress on um, both women women and men's health from a cancer perspective and a performance perspective. So I had all these different facets that I studied. I did that till I was 40, uh, 48 last year. And then I um, decided to take a, a leave and uh, do something new. I, 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 was, I was kind of getting bored with being in the medical system and being under the iron curtain of academia. Because unfortunately, when you're in medicine, you aren't really able at least in Canada you aren't really given enough a long leash to be able to help people outside of right no
0: no we're actually Canadian too
1: oh so oh, super oh, okay yeah
0: yeah I'm I'm in BC are you in Ontario oh, still
1: no man I'm in Tofino I'm in Yuki actually you are you that. serious I live. so that's what we said so, oh, yeah, so here's the story so okay so here's the real story so so okay. I uh oh this is really cool during the time while I was kind of me during COVID I went through kidney failure Oh. Wow. and I was a past big bodybuilder, like 260 pound guy, yes. big, big, big muscular guy. I'm like were, yeah. 198 pounds now. So I went through kidney failure and uh, dialysis and then transplant. It was a real awakening for me because it was due to hypertension caused by stress at work. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because, you know, everything that I loved about academia Actually became not what I loved anymore once I was actually in the underbelly, they call it. So when I, once I became a chair of medicine, I was chair of undergraduate medicine, I started to see things that weren't like it was a big business. It wasn't what I thought it was. It was Wizard of Oz problem. I you know I stepped behind the scenes and went, whoops, like I'd spent thirty years in this thing that I didn't know that's what it was. So okay. so I so I basically I left and we bought this place out here first we left Ontario, London, Ontario, of all places, what University of Western Ontario. Came came out here to the uh, to the island. We bought this house online because, as you know, you can't like you can't I couldn't even get a a flight out here before to look at it, to to buy it, to be bought up. Right. So so that's so that's how we ended up here. So so basically this was a complete life flip. And I said to my wife, you know, now I can get out there and help people like really help them without worrying about this whole scope of practice stuff. So that's why that's where I am now. So I basically I basically um, I've been working in it be behind the scenes, formulating supplements, working with people with really unique cases for their nutrition. And now I'm out there. So this is this is why I kind of held back behind the scenes was because, you know, academia kind of keeps you under that umbrella. So so now I'm out there. Now we're doing our thing. And that's when I kind of hooked up with Don, because I don't know if you know, um, Jordan Shallow with prescript okay so prescript is a uh it's a educational company for trainers it's like to train trainers okay. and that's jordan noticed that i was working with these pro bodybuilders and getting them healthy mm-hmm. and they're like winning these big shows and so him and i anyway, anyway started talking so i became his nutrition director for this big this big outfit and that's kind of the rest is history and now now i've got you know a massive roster of people that i work with from people with double you know, lung, lung and heart transplants to kidney transplants, right through to people who weigh 800 pounds. And I handle those interesting, complicated cases for nutrition.
0: That's incredible. We're based in Revelstoke. That's so, so cool. <laughs> I know. Actually, one of uh, our design team members just moved to Souk. So is it Souk or
1: I think it's Souk. I, I yeah. call it Souk. I me mean, too. Just me too. Side of Victoria, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was in Tofino just a couple of years ago. It's beautiful by the ocean. So we are actually basically neighbors. We could have done a road trip, and we could have done this live. I don't know. We we have missed opportunity.
1: Yeah. So well, we'll definitely take that. Take advantage of that opportunity. Got got to get out. You out here to my studio. This is this place is awesome. We've got my gym in behind me. We've got like we're, we're living right on the Pacific. We've got a beach right on our yard.
0: There, um, there's a lot of evidence that, that backs living by the water and reduce stress. I actually 100%. did, did a whole bunch, um uh, just trying to, I live in a townhouse in Revelstoke. Real estate is very, like very, very expensive as it would be there too. And one day I will live on the water. So you're living my dream. I'll come, I'll definitely come visit.
1: Yeah. you got, you got time. <laughs> I got a few years out on you. So that's, that's how we did it. So, and this was like, this was an all in full gamble, like pack the kids up, let's go.
0: Amazing. Um, and it's paid yeah, off. And, and, the joy is palpable. Your joy is palpable.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, the, the, like, I mean, basically the stress just completely lifted the minute, mm-hmm. the minute I did that. So, and I love helping people. So, this is great.
0: One of the things that you kind of talked about that, that is not really related to men's health, but, but that I'm seeing a lot more of. And I'd love to hear your take because it obviously would, would affect men as well. Do you notice that there's more emphasis now on prevention? than there is on treatment. I've been reading all of these books and listening to podcasts about people that are hoping that medicine in the future is more like, let's focus on the things that are going to keep us healthy in our youth so we're not dealing with the things, with with the illness on the back end. And I know there's, you know, uh, what is it, a teaspoon of prevention is worth a pound of cure or an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. What What are your thoughts on that? And do you feel strongly about about being preventative is is that what you're working on with your clients
1: 100 in fact that's that is the key it's you know we look it's funny because you know uh the, the new generations coming up through are starting to recognize that because mm-hmm. um they're you know we're their parents right and um we watch like i'm watching my dad you know right now go through some serious cancer um my mom my mom died of gastrointestinal cancer. And, and, and these are all, and these are all habit related, you know, they're all, they're, they're all, these are preventative, preventative things that, you know, that with a little bit of mindfulness in how you eat, how you live your life and how you kind of direct yourself, um, you, you can actually, you know, circumvent a lot of these diseases because they're really related to, you know, a conglomeration of three things, high, high inflammation in the body, which is driven by dyslipidemia or, you know, cholesterol levels that are cholesterol and triglyceride levels that are out of whack and um high blood glucose and when we get those when we get that trifecta kind of all messed up where we have a high inflammatory state and and we're not metabolically optimized then that's when we start to see breakdown of 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 the body add stress in on top of that which is a was a big area of my research um and that will drive all of the processes that we just talked about especially inflammation so really at the end of the day yeah it's an ounce of prevention is worth you know a ton of 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 cure, really?
0: What kind of things are you seeing in men specifically that are contributing to a decline in in health? what What action items could could men start doing today, regardless of their age that are going to improve their health?
1: Yeah. so the first thing that I have every one of my clients do, um especially the males, but even even my females at the onset, is measure your blood pressure. Blood pressure is such a um, underestimated surrogate of your overall health. And when we have uh, hypertension, uh, generally speaking, if it's not you know genetically driven or driven by some ailment that you have, but in healthy people that have you know prehypertension or hypertension, it's generally it's generally a, um, a, a an issue of lifestyle. And so those lifestyle factors are like you know getting good sleep, consuming enough water, and consuming enough fiber and healthy fats. Are really important. Now, I didn't mention carbs and, and, and protein so much there because you know, everybody knows you got to eat a lot of protein now. It's yes. been driven home like millions of times. And people know that, you know, uh, they know to manipulate carbohydrates, how they feel. They may have some sort of, you know, reason for doing so, but they do understand, people understand carbohydrates relatively well. Mm-hmm. But what people don't understand well is um, high quality polyunsaturated, monounsaturated fats and fiber and the impact of those on. Blood lipids, inflammation, hormonal regulation—all those things are, you know, really, really tied to those fats, fibers, and and how we kind of manipulate those in our diet.
0: Yeah, we actually for the month of June are doing a men's nutrition score for free, so everyone can have access to that. That uh, it does include fiber as one of its listed nutrients, and I. I mean, I think protein now has been driven home that we all know the importance of protein, but I think you're right. Fiber, even looking at my own, I'm like woefully low some days. And after reading so much literature about it, it's definitely something that I'm going to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, very, I, very important fiber.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What are some important health measures that people could take right now to prevent prevent disease? If we can maybe break it down into like, twenties and thirties, forties and fifties, obviously the best time to start anything is yesterday or 20 years ago, but the second best time is now. So what kind of things can, can men do to prevent their health from deteriorating?
1: Yeah. So, so, I mean, even thus, if if you can actually implement these things into your twenties, if you know, during those immortal years, really the same, the same ideas, uh, transfer across all age groups. And that's really to, to make sure that, uh, first of all, that, you know, you're sleeping well, because that's going to drive cortisol problems, cortisol dysregulation, and a whole bunch of other issues that are going to make it really difficult for you to assimilate those nutrients. So the, the, the key to this inflammatory thing is to protect gut health, protect gut health at the very, very beginning. And to do that, it's going to require to uh, take a few things out of the diet that may be you know, causing issues with gut health. One of the main culprits are alcohol use. Mm-hmm. And one of the big problems, at least in the past youth, the current youth are pretty interesting. They're not not quite into the booze as, as the, the past youth. But, but if you can circumvent binge drinking throughout your 20s and 30s and 40s, because that's about when your doctor tells you you got to get off the booze, um, then you're going to limit all those gut health and inflammatory issues that occur during that period of time. If everything else is created equal, so right off the bat, limit limit alcohol use because it's just gonna mess up your sleep and it's gonna mess up your guts. Um, the other one is to make sure that you're including to make like so. This is a really good um, application. Make sure in your diet right off the get go you're including fermented foods. Mm-hmm. So this is gonna protect your guts by adding probiotics to the diet. Those fermented foods could include anything like kimchi, sauerkraut all non-pasteurized stuff. So like the good stuff, you know, and, and there's lots of companies now that make these fermented foods because when the millennials came through, they all started making kombucha and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So, so we have this really awesome thing with these bacteria based foods. So kombucha, kefir. So like if, if you if dairy is your thing, yogurts, and then these fermented vegetables like kimchi and sauerkraut. And there's companies like say like wild Brian, I have no connection to them, but they have everything from, you know, salsa verde, Right through to pickled um uh, radish or sorry, pickled uh, radish and pickled a uh, beet. so so there's there's a range for everybody. if you don't like the stinkiness of kimchi and cabbage, you can head into the other ones. So fermented foods, really, really important. And then those being your probiotics that are going to colonize your large intestine, you want to feed those bacteria so they colonize well and take over all the bad bacteria by um consuming those fibers prebiotic fibers and a lot of those are soluble fibers um so if you're looking you know throw some chia in your food throw some flax in your food and if you get a few tablespoons of that in there every every um every day then you're going to have those fibers to feed those probiotics also with those fibers you're going to get some insoluble fiber in there so that's going to help you build bulk in your stool mm-hmm. and really at the end of the day if you're looking at your poops and they um, are a nice darkish brown color, they are solid logs, and they come out quite easily, then your gut health is likely on track to being well. So so really, if someone follows that all the way through, then they won't have to worry about fixing their guts. There's all these gut health resets and all this kind of stuff. Really, it's a matter of preventative medicine. That's going to decrease inflammatory effects in the guts. It's going to decrease leaky gut syndrome, which is something that's really common now which when that occurs, then we leak these lipopolysaccharides in the blood. And those are what then cause systemic inflammation. And when we get those down, then your metabolism starts working well because your cells don't like inflammation. That small little hack with the fiber and the fermented foods is probably the number one thing that I've added into everyone's diet that we see the greatest effect on digestive health.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people like in Revelstoke we see a ton of people drinking kombucha or people even making it. I think you can make it with like three ingredients in your home. Oh yeah. It's it's really accessible. So I know that I, I was listening to a podcast, actually, that was talking about fermented foods and and, and gut health. And I really didn't incorporate any of that. And then I love being a guinea pig, because if I'm talking about it, I want to try it. And I just felt like vital after, after you know, drinking kombucha for a couple weeks steady. I was like, I just feel so, so good. And we are learning so much more about gut health and overall health and how it affects everything, you know, like, to your mind, obviously, it's just the science. There is so exciting. I'm really paying attention to all of that and trying to keep my own guts in in check for sure because I also have family history of some gastric cancers and that kind of thing. So trying yeah, to stay in, on top in, of in, it now.
1: Stay on top of it. That's that's the key. And, and that that one, if you carry that through your life as as a, as a goal to protect your guts then a lot of the issues that in male men, men's health actually start to dissipate and female health also, because issues like PCOS in females are, are generally can be manipulated through diet quite easily. And so, so um, and a lot of times, or every time I have a woman come to me with PCOS, we have issues with gut health. So it's there's a lot of chicken and egg things that occur with our gut health in, in men's health, and, and it's not, it's not actually a chicken or egg problem. It's uh, more of a snake eating its tail issue. And you got to be able to get into that, that circular issue that, you know, so we got this gut health problem that decreases digestion that then causes issues with everything from inflammation performance and testosterone levels. Right. And then as, as we, as we get this, then if we can step in somewhere along the line and be able to manipulate diet somewhat. So by just adding a small amount of fiber in you know, every week into the diet and add small amounts of probiotic bacteria from foods into the diet, you can actually get yourself into that loop and then stop it from looping and then just get this linear thing where you're just on a path to betterness. Greatness. and Greatness. That's right. I,
0: I think one of the most interesting things about the difference between men and women, and this is just my own personal experience, is I feel like oftentimes women get on top of things sooner than men do. And I think part of it is just this, the stigma about self-care and, and men just, I think for whatever reason in my circle, anyway, have a harder time embracing that, you know, like looking at my own parents, my mom has always been on top of everything. And my dad is on top of things when my mom makes sure that he is. So I think, I think it's really interesting to talk about focusing on these things in youth. Do you work with people that are that are younger or are you mostly working with men who are in their late 30s, 40s, 50s are you are you seeing a prevalence of younger men starting to I do see,
1: I do I do have a lot of younger men. Most of my younger group guys. So it's actually funny. I so I have a lot of young women. Like Right. Like, like most of my roster, like I I've, I've got I've got a range of women, but I have a lot of young women. And we're talking as young as 19.
0: Good right? for her.
1: <laughs> right? as young as 19 and and in fact that was one of the one of the girls i was talking about pcos uh it was a girl came to me with pcos but she thought she was overtraining, Mm -hmm. and because you get similar symptoms to this this thing called red s which is relative energy deficiency in sport and and you see all the same things like lack of menstruation all this kind of stuff and so so yeah so so i have a lot of those that are like you know i'm concerned about this this situation i have the boys and and funny enough that, that you say this are mostly the bodybuilders yes Okay, and they're most they're mostly on bodybuilding things.
0: Absolutely. Um, so it's
1: kind of the opposite. But here's what's cool about it. Here's the cool thing: is I don't I don't um I won't deal with bodybuilders like to like you know get them on the juice and get them doing their shows. What I do in the background is I let I do uh basically it's prevention right it's it's harm reduction. Is um I have these I have these pro bodybuilders it's their career, and they come to me so that I can basically give them the go ahead. When they're healthy enough to go on to competing, then right. they compete for the year, do the Mr. Olympia. And then I watch their blood work every four weeks. And we go through a lot of a lot of dietary exercise and whatnot to get things back. And then they go and mess it all up again. Right. So the young guys actually are coming to me now with prevention in mind. Yes. But Then they've got this insult they're doing to themselves on the <laughs> side. Right. So it is a step in the right direction. Like men Mm -hmm. are actually now starting to realize, you know, they need to pay attention to their health. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for the most part, if they aren't coming to me for bodybuilding, there's very few guys, I have a couple, but there's very few guys, um, you know, below 25 that are coming to see me about gut health problems or anything, unless it's severe issues that they've never been able to get a hold of. And they've Mm -hmm. seen numerous specialists and this is kind of, this kind of seems to be the, you know, the. The deal of the day when they come to me, they're coming to me like because they basically have exhausted all of their resources, right? And it generally works, but but like like you're mentioning, yeah, there's only a few guys, and they aren't preventing anything. They're actually at a point where they're so direly in need that we're basically digging out of a real, real deep hole to get to a normal state.
0: Yeah, we actually at, at Chronometer see uh, similar users. I would say the, the younger men that are using us are using us for more body composition changes. Do you think that there is value for tracking micronutrition with, with body recomposition? Or is it just like, everyone's always so obsessed with, with macros. Obviously our differentiator at chronometer is that we do focus on micronutrition. What are the values for these people to track their micronutrients?
1: So, first of all, I want to say that hats off to your team for putting together such a remarkable micronutrient system, I guess. Thank you. It, we it, all it, say it, thank it, you. <laughs> that's why I use Chronometer. Mm-hmm. Me uh, and too. I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, I am micronutrition fo- focused. There's lots of macro coaches out there. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why, and, and there's, there's a reason why they are macro coaches is because their scope of uh, practice only allows them to pr- to tell people to eat certain macros and that's totally cool that's good because they're staying within their scope of practice for me though it's funny because uh you know i put together the micro the macronutrient profile but the macronutrient profile i do for my clients are, is all customized and usually it starts with 33 across the board so i can actually get a grip on how their body metabolizes carbohydrates proteins and fats and then we start playing with the actual numbers to strictly suit them now here's what's neat about not like just falling macros and not falling micros. And I've talked to my wife about this. She's like 98 pound marathon runner. And I said, for sure, you're in nutritional deficit or at least, you know, at least in a micronutrition deficit because at your body weight, it's really difficult when you're trying to recomposition things to get enough micronutrition at 13, 1500 calories than it would be say for myself when I'm dieting at 28, 2900 calories, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. so chronometer is a very beautiful highlight of that. And it's lovely too, because then I can re- recommend supplements and we can watch the kind of fuel gauges, which I love, uh, go up mm-hmm. and optimize. And it's really neat because I I, although I'm a supplement formulator, um, right now, you know, I work with HD muscle and I do all of their all their work. I just finished a big health line for them. And but first and foremost, it's food.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: and that's what I love about. Chronometer, because the people that come to me, they're eating, you know, whey protein, almond milk, oats for breakfast, mm. chicken rice for with a piece of broccoli for lunch, and they repeat that thing four times, and then they do a dinner with some steak. I can show them pretty quickly why they feel like garbage, because you know they're they're they're, they're low in micronutrition because they generally don't eat a lot of vegetables. Right. Right. So so it's so I, I I've because of Chronometer, I've I've managed to actually shift people's thoughts into like set it and forget it on the macros they're going to be there because we are going to be throwing chicken stuff on your plate but mm-hmm. the thing people miss out on is chopping vegetables up like yes. chicken's easy to throw into a frying pan or into a, a, a air a, you know air fryer right but vegetables take some time so 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 that's that's where chronometer has been a real big one for my clients to show them like you know and in, in, in men i can show them that you know they're not getting enough cruciferous vegetables because when we do that you know we're going to optimize our hormones. And I can tell you're not getting enough because we're not getting enough, you know, magnesium, iron, and all these other things that we get from those vegetables. So there's a lot of ways to sell it based on the fact that Chronometer has done such a remarkable job creating this micronutrition um setup. And it's so comprehensive. It's unbelievable. So yeah, good stuff Love i'm
0: it. I'm so glad that that you feel that way. I do too, but it's been interesting because when I started, I knew very little, I obviously knew about vitamins and minerals, but not that they were even called micronutrients. And when I talk to the people in my circle that obviously aren't engrossed in nutrition, the way that I am, they're like, does that really even matter? You know, like, like, we've gone through such an interesting shift in where our education is, I think, just as as a whole. You know, like there was a lot of calorie and fat focus and then we're starting to really, like most people now have a handle on what the macronutrients are. And now I feel like very slowly we're starting to learn about micronutrients. And I think one of the most powerful things about chronometer is there are a lot of nutrient gaps in in our typical diets and i don't think that you could find those if you if you weren't tracking i've often spoken about my own magnesium deficiency you think you're eating well but you don't actually know until you know and then the importance of supplementation because of that i started taking a magnesium supplement so knowing where to fill fill the gaps basically and then how that does affect performance and overall health and vitality like you know, you might be hitting some body comp goals tracking your macros, but I think like the true energy, like I used to have to have a nap on the chronometer couch at 2 p.m. because I have no energy. And now I'm much like you, I'm living in I'm living over here. So
1: and it's important the and it's funny because um, you know, tracking macros is obviously very, very it's fundamental to body Absolutely. composition change, right? Mm-hmm. But how you get those macros is really, really important. And there was a phase, you know, 2015 to about 2019 that people were just talking about, you know, this intuitive eating and just tracking your macros. And so it was, it was huge where people were just going out and eating like, oh, you know, I need some carbs. They need a chocolate bar, carbs in fat good handled. And the problem with these high macro dense foods. So even like when we go out for fast food, very, very macro dense, which is awesome because it's cheap. And we get a lot of energy from it. But because it's so highly processed, it doesn't have micronutrition. And this is why we have relative nutrition deficiencies in obese populations. So we have these people that are consuming four to 10,000 calories a day, no problem. Mm -hmm. But they're actually still nutrient deficient because the foods they're choosing are very, very void in micronutrition. And, And at the end of the day, it's nice to have those macros all set up, right? Because that's that's really good for building things and storing stuff. But the cells that require the, the cells that are required to metabolize those foods actually need those catalysts, which are our vitamins and minerals that drive metabolism so that we can utilize them. So a lot of times that's why I end up with um bodybuilders mm-hmm. that have been on these, you know, macro focused diets, which makes total sense. You're competing. But I end up with, you know, they end up with high inflammation, uh, dyslipidemia, so issues with their cholesterol and whatnot, and, um, and sometimes even issues with their blood glucose. And the way to get back to that is going back to basically how in the 70s, my mom used to make our food. And it was like, you know, you can't have carrots just with broccoli, you got to make sure you have like three or four different colors. And it was funny, because that's what I'm promoting now. And it's repairing people. So it's really cool.
0: You, you've you become your mother.
1: It's, it's wild. It's, it's, it makes my life easy. You.
0: I think one of the things though, with that men struggle with, and again, this is just my own circle of men. They don't really want to track or they don't see the value of tracking or they find it tedious. I myself have tracked for as long as I've worked here, which is over five years. And people are like, how are you still tracking? Like, don't you eat the same thing all the time? And I'm like, no, like honestly, swapping a banana out for an apple will change your targets for the day. So easy stuff like that. How do you get men in particular to adhere to your guidelines, recommendations to actually realize their full potential?
1: Yeah, so so most times they they don't they don't track
0: or they yeah. won't track
1: or they will track sporadically. So you, you go, you, I'll go through my chronometer Pro and I'll be like, okay, so the first they hit it good. And, six, they got it, you know, but they didn't do anything in between. So what I generally do for all my clients, I actually, I actually give meal plans with foods in it. And the idea behind it is what I do is I educate them. So I have a consult after I send them the meal plan and I give an explanation for every single line item ingredient in each meal, like why that is in there. And I also give them some education on how we swap those out. But I tell them for the first, you know, three or four weeks, we're going to just eat the same stuff mm-hmm. over and over and over again so that we can actually get you feeling amazing and maximize and optimize the micronutrition so that you are, and, and and macros for that matter, because a lot of people under eat like really badly. And so, we, we you know, we get all that kind of under control and then they feel great. And then it's easy. Then I just start saying, OK, you got you can swap that broccoli out for ABC or mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can swap those carrots out for ABC and educate them on it so that when they do skip out on the chronometer stuff that they're still getting the nutrition they need chronometer always comes into play for me though anytime we're kind of it feels like things are getting a little bit sideways i'm like hey you know body comp changes aren't changing in the right direction whether it be gaining weight or losing weight um i haven't i haven't had a check-in in like two weeks this person's not checking in then what I do is I'll, I'll be like, okay, we need a consult. We do a consult and then it's like, okay, I gonna be, I want you to follow the diet 100% on chronometer. I'm going to watch it. and I'm going to watch your weight. And then it's awesome because I love how everything's integrated. I can see it happen. Like, you know, they, they're always weighing themselves. So their weight's doing this. And all of a sudden then we get back to either this or going up right. again, like we want. So chronometer is a wonderful thing, even for the people that don't track, mm-hmm. because it allows us to do a little bit of a, for lack of a better term, lie detector test. Uh, over the course of like, you know, a couple of weeks to see if truly they are following or not, right?
0: Yeah, I think that sometimes... Even, even sometimes I'm tempted to lie to to the chronometer, and I'm like, I won't put that in. I'm, like, well, I'm doing myself a disservice. <laughs> like every once in a while, I will blow my calorie recommendation out of the water. I'm talking like double. Like I will absolutely punish 4,600 calories, and I have no shame about it anymore. I'm like that is a day. Obviously, I had a big exercise day before. My body needed it. I'm just, I'm just going to tackle it. So. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with, with adherence. I know actually Don's community, a number of them work with Adam Ross. Have you met Adam?
1: Yeah. So Adam and I work together too. So we have like, like we have a little trifecta going on. Yeah. Where, um, so, so, at, so if Adam's having like, so, so if, if his clients are having difficulty, you know, they, they, lo- they lost weight gain weight, whatever they're looking for, for the, the, the first 12 weeks or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's like a, a you know, a change. Then I usually, that's when I'll step in, get them to get blood work, look at their blood work, do a little tweaky tweaky. So yeah, Adam and I work like really closely together.
0: When I met a bunch of his clients last year at DonCon, we can look to see how many servings people have logged in Chronometer and they are all very high i'm i'm talking like i think i have like 14,000 servings logged in chronometer and they were some of them had more than me and i was like adam whatever you are doing your adherence of your clients is astonishing i'm like everyone needs (laughs) to to have an adam in their life i think because it was so impressive anyway yeah and
1: and we we all do the same thing and that's why like don and all of us we there's some there's some clients we're actually we actually share like i'll have them on my pro I, actually Don's on my pride. I'm watching Don stuff right now. Even so, He wants to get leaned up. So yeah. So it's funny, Adam, Don, and I are like, we're, we're like kind of a little, little team that work on those things together.
0: That's awesome. And you guys all obviously really walk your talk, which I think is so important. You know, it's good to see people that are out there that are telling their clients to do something and that are also doing it. Cause I think that that's where you can develop you know, true empathy and understanding. I think that's, that's important. And it's awesome that I've actually had them both on the podcast and I have you. So now I've, you know, got the, the Holy grail of, (laughs) of health experts. One of the things that you talked about, which definitely piqued my interest was about stress. So I feel like many men, uh, struggle with stress management. What are some things that they can do to alleviate stress?
1: There's a couple of things we can do uh, dietary wise, but okay. the number one thing I tend to have them do, and this helps with diet also and digestion, is to start meditating. Now, this is a hard one. This is a tough one. You got to trick them into it. It's a little trick I do. So they'll generally come to me, the stressed out person. Then I say, you know, measure your blood pressure, like I mentioned earlier. Then they get their blood pressure measured and they're slightly hypertensive or pre-hypertensive. And then I tell them, okay, so what I want you to do is measure your blood pressure once a week. I just did this with a client yesterday. Uh, one or sorry, uh, once a day for a week. And, uh, I want you to send me your measurements and then they send them and then they're like, Oh yeah, you know, I had a stressful morning and they, they give me notes with them. Right. And then the next week I say, okay, what I want you to do now is I want you to breathe three breaths, just three, three in three out with five second in hold for five release for five. So it's cyclic like breathing, I show them how to do it. And I say, if you, if you start focusing on anything else, but that breathing, you got to start over again, just three breaths. And then they they start laughing, all oh, three breaths, no problem. They do it. And I say, you got to start over if you don't do it. So they're like, holy crap, it took me like 10 minutes to get three breaths focused. But when I did, I couldn't believe how low my blood pressure was. Uh-huh. And so meditation is a number one thing that I tell people to do. If you want to call it Wim Hof breathing because you think the meditation sounds too yoga-y, then mm-hmm. go ahead. Call it whatever you want. But the idea is to focus for just a, a small period of time throughout the day. And I, that, and so what I, I build up to is three blood pressure measurements a day, but it's really, I'm trying to get them to do three, 10 minute breathing periods in the day. Right. Okay. And, it, and, 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 the fo- and then with the focus on blood pressure, it gives, it gives these guys something to focus on. Right. Other than like, you know, who is this guy that has me breathing weird. And then what ends up happening is most of them end up, you know, incorporating that in their life because they realize how less stress it gives them. Cause they have three points in the day that they're focused on just present. Uh-huh. Um, that's really important. Now, the other thing to do is to make sure that you're getting that uh, you're getting enough omega threes and fiber in the diet, and that's going to be really, really important because as our as our stress goes up, and as uh, uh, we our sleep gets worse, then we need to have things in the diet that are going to circumvent the insult of that inflam the inflammation that occurs because of the lack of deep sleep and whatnot. So two of the things that are missing in most men's diets are omega-3 fatty acids because you know they're not kind of taking fish oil mm-hmm. and they're, they're, uh, the fiber. So if they can shoot to get up to 38 grams of fiber, now I have most people up around 50 grams, but 38 is a nice, good target to hit and it's not gonna cause too much digestive problems and get in three uh, about three grams of combined DHA EPA from fish oil. So if you look on the label, that's what makes up the, uh, the omega-3 fatty acids in most omega-3 products. If you add those up, you want to get, like I said, about, about three grams-ish of that. Those two things together, very small change in the diet, can really, really keep inflammation down, especially if you're you know omega-6 heavy in your diet. The inflammation is the key to then circumventing these stress insults, because stress is going to occur anyway. Okay, that's so, that's, that's big. The other one is though, when you have control of your diet throughout the day, it creates a mindful experience. And so it's funny because there's a lot of talk about, oh, yeah, everybody takes pictures of their meals, right? But what's really neat about mindful eating is that's a chronic condition. When you eat, you're eating throughout the day, every day, if you're doing it right. So those periods of eating could last up to like an, a preparation and eating can last like up to an hour quite easily. So if you're focused purely on making that food, taste, look, and benefit your body, that's going to give you another set of time that's going to be repeated throughout the day where you're focused. Right. And so this is where I use a biopsychosocial model, which most coaches don't use because the biological aspects of the macros, right? That part's easy to control. <laughs> but getting people to actually lead their lives healthy so that they can assimilate the nutrients from the diet you gave them and feel good is psychological and social related so if you can incorporate mindful eating with these meals throughout each day then this actually um enables or basically forces the person into being present throughout the day so you've got now blood pressure measurements and you got your food that you're laying out now you're going to be present for a hell, heck of a lot longer in a day than you would be if you didn't do otherwise and so that's why I really find it important when I'm working like with my clients to give them really, really well laid out diets that they understand. So they get excited mm-hmm. about the colors. They get excited like, wow, that, that, that plate looks like something I want to take a picture of. Take a picture of it. That means you're there. You're mm-hmm. present. Put it on Instagram because you're <laughs> literally going to type about this meal you're eating and not think about anything else around your life. So stress is really a matter of being able to uh, take those you stress moments, the good stress, Yes. Right. And really enjoy them. So that's our workouts. That's our foods. That's like, you know, preparing food, like don't make preparing food a stress, make it a time for you to take care of yourself. That way, all that distress that you have with work actually becomes you stress a lot of time because you're actually feeling good about it. You're excited to get into work. You're excited to get the day done because you want to get out and get out for that hike or, or like it's 11 o'clock and at 12, you're going to eat this wicked meal that you made (laughs) last night. And as soon as you get into nutrition like that, a lot of the stress falls off. You start to realize that the important things is taking care of yourself.
0: I agree. I think that self-care is a struggle for a lot of men. What kind of things do you do for self-care personally?
1: Yeah, so I um I make sure that, uh, and, and I, was, I was, you know, I was the king of non-presence. My mom's like, my mom constantly used to tell me to stop and smell the roses. And I didn't even know what that meant until I, you know, got right. a little older. But uh, so I take each part of my day. Um, so when I wake up in the morning and I go, I have like ritualistic things I do and being a former bodybuilder, it's quite easy to do that. And bodybuilders can all relate to this, but, but the point is I wake up and I make sure that I, you know, drink a really big ball of water, usually 750 ml shaker with some glutamine in it. I usually put a scoop of some fiber in there, maybe some flax, ground flax or ground chia. And then I throw in some sea salt, a pinch of sea salt, like maybe an eighth a teaspoon or something. And I chug that. And I'm present for that whole moment. And in fact, it's funny because that's how I started my social media account was by taking pictures and videos of things, rituals I do and making me present. Then I go about getting getting my, um, I really focus on getting my daughter off to school with a really good meal. So she loves egg breakfast, which makes me really happy because the high choline and everything's really good for the brain. So then I focus on her meal. And then once she's off to school, I then go into my breakfast, I get it all together and I generally try to take pictures of it or take some sort of video. So that I'm staying present while I'm making it. I log it into chronometer, which is also another cool way to stay present with your food. Cause if you don't have like what, three minutes to log that food,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: then you're, you're kind of running a little ragged. You need to look at your Mm -hmm. schedule, right? So so that's another one. Right. And then, and then I just plan, I plan my, actually plan my day based around food. And so does Dawn. Dawn and I, we, we call each other probably two or three times a day. (laughs) <laughs> and it's always it's always when <laughs> we're eating. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I'll, and I'll have the bowl in front of me and I'll be eating I'll, I'll do the same thing you're doing, FaceTiming. Eh?
0: What a bromance.
1: <laughs> yeah, total bro. It's a oh my Absolutely. Life is hilarious thing she's ever seen. But that's how that's how I actually keep myself present because I've got a stressful life. I fly all over the place, give talks. I you know, I'm on podcasts every day. I've got a massive roster of clients. And if I focused on I'm looking up my wall right now with all these things, I've got five screens sitting in my room here. Um, if I focused on the, the you know mission control that I'm sitting at right now, it'd be very daunting. Mm-hmm. But I do know that after this podcast, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna make a wicked, wicked lunch. Me too. And that lunch <laughs> is gonna look really, really cool, right? So so really, means- <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, so getting into getting into your your so getting into your diet, right, is a great way to circumvent stress because a lot of people find making food stressful, but it's really self-care, right? That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so chronometer is a great thing to have, you know, embedded within there because you got to be focused while you're doing it. You're also getting number feedback to you, letting you know what's going on with your macros, right? So, so, you know, so you don't overspill or eat too little or whatever. And if you really get into it, you can go into your micronutrition and be like, oh, okay, next time I make that breakfast, I'm going to maybe add a little bit of uh, blueberries or I'm going to add something in there to get the antioxidants up. And mm-hmm. I just love that meter too with the antioxidants. It's great. I know. So. Right. So, so so it's really it's really a matter of um, for for these men putting some control in their life and getting control of things that are going to actually be healthy. Right. And enjoying going through that process, because if you enjoy the process, then it becomes actually it's something you look forward to. Yes. So now you're looking forward to your nutrition, just like you were, you know, even if your workouts are going great, now your nutrition is going to match that. And that's going to make you feel better down the road. And that's going to make you sleep better. And that's going to keep inflammation down. And that's going to keep testosterone up because you're sleeping well. And, you know, it's just the basically trickle down effect of, you know, mindful eating. That's our most important thing we eat. Like that's how we stay alive.
0: Fuel. I have two more topics that I really want to discuss. Uh, One we've mentioned a couple of times, but I really want to dive into it is sleep. So I think that there's a lot of people. That I know that do shift work. and they'll be away for long periods of time away from their home, which would you know, at best, maybe they have a sleep environment set up at home and they don't have access to the same things when they're away at camp, or at worst, they're they're either days sometimes, night shift sometimes, or you know, one of my friends just got off a five month stint of of doing night shift. And their sleep is very disrupted, and I'm always talking about the importance of sleep, but I think that oftentimes it's minimized. Can you touch on really how to optimize sleep in kind in those kind of environments and why it's so important for for men?
1: Yeah, I mean it's important for everyone. Night, like so, so night shifts are they wreak havoc on our our um, obviously on our circadian rhythms, and because of that everything in our body we're re- starting to realize even even the bacteria in our guts um follow a uh chronology or, or, or a chrono like a ba- basically a time phase wow. and they're and they're, they're locked yeah so, so so and they're locked into our circadian rhythms so there's ways to play with those circadian rhythms so that you can optimize them a lot of times though with shift work problem is that a lot of people go on you know they'll be on uh so for, for MDs, for example, like for medical doctors, when they go on shift work, they might do four, you know, uh, 12 to 16 hour shifts mm-hmm. and then, and then, you know, go off for a week and then they got to reestablish things. and Then they go on a week of days and then they're off, you know, now they're back on, they, 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 they go back on nights mm-hmm. and they'll be on call on the weekends. So if they get called in, then they may be on days, but they're actually on nights in the middle of the night when they have to go in and help out for an emergency. So um, there's it's it's unique for every single situation. But here's a couple things that you can do. So number one, um, this is where melatonin is a good thing. I don't I don't usually recommend melatonin a lot of times for people because it can mess things up. But <laughs> melatonin is a great way to get on to a new circadian rhythm. So, you know, when you're when you go from day to night shift or night to day shift you would take your melatonin then within, you know, um, a, a short period before a sleep period that you want to now get on that that's going to become your new sleep period. So take it an hour or two before, and then, and that should put you on the same circadian clock, um, as you should be for, at least get you closer to it for that nighttime wakefulness. The other thing to do though, too, is to, uh, make sure that your, your nutrition follows that, uh, new, that new circadian rhythm that you're trying to set. And I've actually, I actually have an emergency physician that we just worked through this a couple of weeks ago. So she was saying to me, she said, well, the problem is though, like, you know, I have to try and get all my food in before I do the night shift. Hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, treat your treat. Don't worry about having dinner before you go in for the night shift. I said, when you wake up from your nap to go in for the night shift, have your breakfast. And so you're going to have your breakfast at night. So we're going to flip all your meals over so that when you come home from the night shift or the last, at the end of your night shift, you're going to have your dinner.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I said, and and so if you flip it over like that, generally, if your diet is set up properly, where you're eating the abundance of your calories toward like the morning, afternoon, and then your calories at night are more directed toward, they're not much lower, but they're a little bit lower than what was in the morning, morning meal and afternoon meal. But your your nighttime calories are directed more toward carbohydrates. What you'll do is you'll start driving down cortisol um, before you go to bed, even if you're going to bed in the afternoon. Okay. So so one of the, one of the uh, one of the things that occurs in our body is that and with cortisol is that when we wake up we have this dineural cortisol basically a program that our body sets. And so we have high cortisol in the morning that gets us up and gets us moving and motivated to do things, shoots some blood sugar into our from our liver, into our blood so that we can, you know, do things after a night's fast. And then it slowly peters out over the night. And then we get tired toward the evening and cortisol is relatively low, and that allows us to sleep throughout the evening. And one of the biggest problems with shift work is cortisol dysregulation. So cortisol goes up when we're calorically restricted. Cortisol goes up when we, because it's a stress hormone, Mm -hmm. cortisol also goes up when we're under low carbohydrates. So if we shift our carbohydrate meal, relatively large carbohydrate meal to before we go to sleep, doesn't matter whether it's at night or in the morning for shift work, then that should get our, with that, with the melatonin, it should get us back on some sort of circadian rhythm so that the night shifts don't feel so bad. So you're going to shift your meals as well as your sleep. And that's what a lot of people don't do.
0: That is amazing advice. Because in Western Canada in particular, there is a lot of shift work that happens. There's a lot of people that are working away and I would have never thought that that timing your meals would would affect your sleep that way, but that's a very clear action item. I love that. Awesome. The other thing that I want to talk about is alcohol consumption because I think that there is I think men even more than women. It, it's more of a social thing, I think, typically. You know, grab a couple of beers with your buddies, watch a game, whatever. What is the new suggestion on alcohol consumption? Because I know recently in Canada they reduced it drastically. I actually don't know how, how much it is. Uh I don't I don't personally drink alcohol. Is it down to one or two drinks a week now from
1: Yeah, yeah. They're actually, they're actually talking weekly now. So, mm-hmm. so it used to be, it used to be for, uh, for, for a, an average size male, it was like four drinks within a, you know, one sitting mm-hmm. was considered a binge and mm-hmm. one sitting is a, a few hours. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so now they know through the health data that, that yeah, actually, you know, if you have these binges, you know, even once a week that it becomes, you know, de- de- deleterious to your health. And the to be honest, like the biggest problem with alcohol that I see is that it's very little benefit. Mm-hmm. So very, very little benefit, highly, highly addictive. And 100 percent guaranteed you're gonna be told you have to quit one day if you overconsume it. Right. For right. health reasons. So right off the bat, it's it's definitely not conducive to any goals for anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, people like having a couple of beers. Absolutely. That's right. And that that's just that's just the way it is. So the biggest issue, the biggest issue with even just a couple of beers are the inflammatory effects that you get systemically, as well as in the guts and everywhere else. And the decision-making you make on diet and activity um, that occurs because of alcohol consumption. So, so really, if, you know, if someone's got their alcohol, alcohol consumption down to like, you know, one or two beers, you know, once or twice a week after the hockey, you know, after men's league hockey or whatever they're doing, right. There's really no issue in that, to be honest. But where it becomes an issue is alcohol is very insidious. And when it becomes, goes from those two beers after those two games to like, well, let's go out after the game, and have six beers at Boston pizza. And then now all of a sudden you're drinking a six pack before you go to sleep every night. That's where the issues really start to come in. And we know with alcohol, it is an insidious, generally an insidious increase. And so people go, Oh, geez, I got to back off on the booze. So they quit for six months or whatever. They do a dry January or do they do. And then they come back to it and it's like, Oh, good. Now I just have my one glass of wine again. Uh And, but, but it always is that cyclic issue. So I'd say if you're going to drink alcohol, first of all, limit it to, you know, two drinks in an individual evening. Right. And that's usually, you know, within a couple hours, if you feel it, that's when you start actually having the problems. So a lot of people like to feel the alcohol, because that's kind of the whole point um, in a lot of cases. Uh, if if you're feeling it, you're probably you're building blood alcohol levels. And that's that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do with these new guidelines is not have blood alcohol levels go up, but rather you're con- you're consuming it at a rate that you're metabolizing it just as fast. So, you know, if you're going to consume a couple beers after a game, super duper, just keep an eye on your consumption over time. Because right. generally what happens then is like at the birthdays that you'd normally have a couple of beers, you you might have six this time and mm-hmm. over time it builds. So yeah, so so alcohol as as a general rule, I um, I don't usually shun it unless it's obviously holding people back. I do warn against it that it can, you know, kind of sneak into your life a little deeper than you thought it would. And I usually give recommendations on, you know, if you're going to have a beer, pick one that's really, really good. Mm -hmm. like like enjoy it like get yourself a craft beer that's you know nine bucks a pint don't Mm -hmm. get a bud light Mm -hmm. because because at the end at the end of the day like that that's again back to that mindfulness right like you're going to own this thing you're going to drink it and you're going to enjoy it you're not like shotgunning it or you know just chugging it back but rather enjoying it and you'll get a lot more out of that experience than you will just know plowing back a couple of bud lights no offense to bud light but
0: you know that Um, that that was I have three questions from, yeah. from what you just said. One is should people try to work their alcohol consumption into their macros? So should you have consume less, less carbs from food on days that you are going to be drinking beer? No. Great.
1: I'm for, so I'm, so I'm, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're just coming to see me for, you know, weight loss and fixing up the blood work or it's, you know, your high performance athlete. The idea is performance, like we're we're made up of 40% muscle, we're we're, we're put on earth to perform. Now performance might be, you know, cutting the lawn, performance might be walking on your hands. Um, Doesn't really matter what that performance is, but our body's made to move and do things constantly. And so really, really, at the end of the day, you can't replace, you know, half a cup of rice and, and 100 grams of broccoli with, you know, three beers. It's just, it's just, you're getting no, that's a micronutrition thing we're talking about, right?
0: Absolutely. Right? Yes.
1: And, and, and the macronutrition, actually alcohol gets burned off first. So now all those wicked, awesome carbohydrates that you ate earlier on in the day, you're not going to be doing anything with those for a long time until you get rid of all the beers and chicken wings, that you just ate at, <laughs> You know, at the local pub.
0: I also didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. Alcohol, Alcohol
1: gets burned off first. So really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. So on those days though I I actually don't know the nutrient profile I admit to a craft beer versus something like bud light but I'm assuming that a craft beer would probably have more calories and carbs absolutely that- okay. definitely have
1: more calories 100% okay. um I wouldn't I wouldn't put it into like you know the micronutrient dense uh, category <laughs> oh, sorry I wouldn't put it in that category at all because because it's really not, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, we I joke around with guys oh, yeah, I get more fiber out of that one. But mm-hmm. but at the end at the end of the day, really um alcohol should be looked at as like a treat. Okay. Um, it should not replace anything. If you're mm-hmm. gonna drink, in my eyes, still eat. And yes. then and then if and if and if we're gonna have issues down the road that we're not meeting our performance and aesthetic goals, if that's what we're looking for, mm-hmm. then alcohol is gonna be the first thing we pull out. Right. Because if we can't pull it out, then we need to send you to someone else because this is a psychological problem. Now. Mm-hmm. And that's that insidiousness. I told you about alcohol and I've dealt with this for years with clients, um, them saying, well, I'm going to have my three glasses of wine every night, no matter what. And really the conversation then becomes one of like, you know, what is your relationship with alcohol? Mm-hmm. Cause if we're saying that it's not doing anything good for you, like, what is it, what is it doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely other conversation. I don't consider alcohol, I, I would put it in the same category as um, you know, having a chocolate bar. Right. So you, know, you can count it as your macros, but don't take out, don't take out the good food
0: mm-hmm. to eat the
1: chocolate bar. You just eat that on top of things.
0: Yeah, I was surprised. I think that I remember looking at the calories in a craft beer and I was like, if I consumed two of these, I would be blowing my caloric recommendation for the day, just out of the water. And because I don't like the taste of alcohol, and that's why I don't drink it, then it's no skin off mine. But if I did like it, then it would like those are sneaky calories to me. The other thing I wanted to ask was about consumption timing, would it be better? And I don't really know what I mean by better necessarily in this context. But I guess better for your health, to consume one beer a day or seven beers in one day?
1: One beer a day would be healthier in my eyes.
0: Tell me because,
1: why. Um, because because the insult is smaller. It, so if we look at it, um, let me think for a second. Okay, here's one for you. This might not be as accurate as I think it is. But if you have a really, really high performance car, right? And you burn through a tank of gas in a day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. Um, you're going to do a heck of a lot more damage to that car than if you drive it slower and, and metabolize that gas over time. Right. Okay. Because you don't have to like really drive it hard. Mm-hmm. When we drink alcohol, we basically turn on hormonal systems and uh, turn off hormonal systems that are, I'll, I'll, I'll be, be really, really vague, but they're basically the linear linear increase in your alcohol consumption Cause a linear increase in the issues that occur that, that are um, occur with alcohol consumption. So one beer at five o'clock at night, say, or four o'clock in the afternoon, your body will metabolize quite well at my weight, say for example, at 198 pounds, I'll be able to metabolize that one beer within probably 45 minutes to an hour. Right. So if I'm having that for one day, it's one individual low concentration insult that my Mm -hmm. body has to deal with over the course of the day,
0: right?
1: If I decide to save those up and have seven beers at nine o'clock at night, and I can drink seven beers between nine and 11. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay, Um, which isn't an unreasonable thing to do. No, no, then what happens is I've got three hours of insult, Mm
0: -hmm. three or
1: four hours of insult, right? And I have the time it's going to take because now we have built blood alcohol level up. Now, now our liver and the rest of our body has to deal with that high level of alcohol for several hours afterwards, like 12, 13, 14 hours afterwards. And the problem is in that state, we end up in a hormonal deficit in a lot of ways. So it lowers our testosterone, increases our cortisol, causes a whole bunch of real big problems, increases blood glucose. So we've got like three, probably three or four days, I would say where we're not metabolically um, optimized. Yikes. Right
0: that's a big hit right.
1: right so 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 that's a great example of uh the effects of um a bolus of macronutrients that are unhealthy mm-hmm. versus little bits throughout the week better example is poison okay so we got poison right. a poison a because this because alcohol is a poison right
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so
1: we have poison a that um that we can take but if you hit one uh, gram dose it will kill you so you can take one milligram or 100 milligrams for 10 days right take the gram or you can take the one gram that day and it's going to kill you that's a good example of it a little bit uh you know sensationalized but that's the idea now for all for the for the listeners that hear this and think that you know i'm some like you know teetotaler that's like you know completely against alcohol alcohol has been a massive thing in my family for years and in our family here like i choose not to drink because mm-hmm. of my, my kidney and everything else that goes on. But my wife likes to have a glass of wine a week, you Absolutely. know, she, she, it, but it, and it gets to the point where it's a glass of wine a night. And mm-hmm. right now she's in a phase where it's like, okay, I got to get off, off the booze. Right. So even in, and she's, a, she's a healthy marathon runner. Like she can qualify for Boston every year like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those things where as long as you're in check and you're watching, you're watching the insidiousness of the booze, mm-hmm. you can usually keep it under control. It's when you forget about that. And that's, that's where the problem is. So, Seven drinks in one sitting is setting yourself up for a binge that sets yourself up for trouble down the road. Okay.
0: So hangovers, there's all like, I mean, I've heard it all. (laughs) I've heard all of these hangover cures. Uh, Is there any truth to drinking more water when you're drinking is going to alleviate the symptoms of a hangover? And people also talk about having like Gatorade and vitamins. The next morning is that fact or fiction? Like someone over yeah, so in what's it, going to make it better? Anything?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because um, I think I have a good answer to this um, right. because I, I, I think I figured it out because I, I, you know, I was in university a long time and it so, years. and trust me, I, I, I took full advantage of my youth in my university years. So. Absolutely. So drinking in the younger years. So there's a whole bunch of reasons for hangover. And, and so so drinking in the younger years tends to have a lot more of disinhibition that occurs. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in, other, in other words, we drink and we become inhibited, uh, become disinhibited, and we'll do things that we actually normally wouldn't do. Absolutely. So there's a lot of after hours things that happen. There's like those kind of interesting things in the background that occur. So that, that, part, that part can involve like bad decision making while you're drinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about just purely booze, it's really interesting because the impacts on sleep seem to be the biggest impact on the hangover.
0: Absolutely. And
1: and, and I've learned this anecdotally because I don't drink anymore, but I hang around people who do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what happens as you get older is you start sleep deprivation becomes a way bigger problem, like way bigger. Mm -hmm. And so what I've found is that when I'm sleep deprived, I'm staying out late with people that drink without drinking. I get a
0: hangover. No way. <laughs>
1: I get a hangover,
0: hangover right? by association.
1: And, yeah, but it's because of lack of sleep mm-hmm. and lack of hydration during the period that I'm standing around in a bar for five or six hours, right? Right. Because I'm not pounding, I'm not pounding a bunch of drinks. So, so, so it's really, so, so really the hydration, the vitamins, the Gatorade, all that kind of stuff, really important to do. I would be doing it probably the night before I go to bed and then doing again in the morning. Right. Absolutely. Very important. Like and and magnesium is going to be a real important one in there. Zinc's going to be a really important one in there. Uh sodium is going to be ultra important in there. So, you know, make sure like you get like some sort of relight. Um, I, I like I like using relight um from Redmond salts, but some sort of hydration drink in there. It can be Gatorade or whatever you feel like. Your blood glucose is gonna be going all over the place too. So um, you want to make sure that you have a really, really um, high quality breakfast with fruits and oatmeal and all that kind of stuff. The fats and all those things might make things a little worse that, you know, we kind of crave all the fats and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're better off actually getting a really healthy, good meal with lots of like grains and stuff and like that. And it just kind of get get the body moving. But then you also want, uh, so the hydration and that, but the biggest thing is the sleep part. And so when you go to bed, Make sure that if you're going to party the night before, you don't have to get up. Right. And just sleep as long as you possibly can, because your sleep is going to be horrible. Your sleep quality is going to be in the tank because of the booze. Anybody that's listening to this, that tracks their sleep, track it on a night where you have more than two glasses of wine, even, or two beers. Mm
0: -hmm. It goes
1: in the tank from just like a couple of drinks. And that's, I believe what really, really messes things up because it, our circadian rhythms get messed up because we get social jet lag, which is another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, social jet lag is, you know, when we when we basically have jet lag from going out all night and then getting up early in the morning. Right. So so you have that part that's going to mess your sleep up. The alcohol is going to mess your sleep up. And any behaviors outside the alcohol will mm-hmm. definitely be messing up your sleep, especially stimulants and those kind of things.
0: Well, and it's interesting because a lot of people are like, I fall asleep more quickly. And that actually might be true. Like the, the science is there. You know when when they're intoxicated, they're, they fall asleep more quickly. But then you're right; it's it's not the falling asleep; it's the quality of sleep. And for me, yeah. personally, again, like my parents definitely enjoy wine, and most of my friends have you know craft beers or are are social drinkers. I have no issue with it, but for me, I don't like the taste of it. And then I wore an aura ring for years, and a couple of times I did drink, I would look after. And I'm like, Oh, man, that just tanked. Like, my, my readiness yeah. score would be so low. And for me, personally, because I don't love the taste, if I did, it, I would still incorporate it. because so I definitely love chocolate and work that into my diet, let me tell you. But I'm like, there's no benefit here. I'm not loving the taste. It's doing nothing good for my body. Why would I do this? But all of this information has been so helpful because I've always wanted to talk to someone about this just because I'm fascinated by this is this is a very real situation for a large Population. You know, a lot of people, the majority, yeah, have a lot of questions about alcohol, and I actually haven't got to sit down and we are way over time as a result. But <laughs> it's been so incredible to talk to you. You're a wealth of information, and we'll have to do a follow up episode because I still have more questions. Oh,
1: let's do it. It's been a complete pleasure. Yeah, complete I'll pleasure.
0: have to. I'm going to come out and visit you, and I hope that you come to DonCon. If people want to work with you or learn more about you, what where can we find you? How do they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, so you can um on social media, I'm all pretty much on all platforms, but I really just drive things from my Instagram account. So if you look me up at DRDN Jackson, that's dr Dwayne N Jackson. Um, or you can go to my website at www.drdwaynejackson.com.
0: And people can uh, fill out forms to work with you. Is that correct? Or yeah, they, you
1: can DM DM me on Instagram. You can fill out forms on my on my website or whatnot. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions whatsoever, anybody has any questions, by all means, shoot me a message on D, uh, uh, on Instagram, DM me, and I generally get back to people real quick.
0: Yeah. Who doesn't want to work with someone with 30 years of education, (laughs) university education. (laughs) Before we go, one more question. And if that was, you had one action item for men's health month, what would it be? It can be whatever. What's going to improve people's. I I, 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 I
1: would, I would, I would say um, we've touched on this is um, be mindful. If there's anything I've learned clawing my way to the top of medicine, clawing my way to the top of pro sport and all this stuff, is that you have nothing if you don't have your present day. Mm-hmm. And if you can stay in the present, then all of your diet, your sleep, your stress, and all this stuff becomes a lot easier. So, um, you know, there's no emergencies tomorrow, even though we think there are. You know, if, if, you, if you can plan for tomorrow today and stay, you know, stay present in it, then everything else just kind of flows and each day goes by, you eat well. You've got, you know, you got your health, you've got your uh, longevity, you've got your performance, and then everything just kind of falls off and you do better at work. You do better in your relationships, you do better finances, all that stuff. So really it's a matter of everything you do, do it your best and be focused on what you're doing.
0: Amazing advice. I love this. This is so much fun. So definitely we'll have you <laughs> back. I'll be in your DMs all the time from now on. Uh, this awesome. <laughs> This podcast episode will be coming out shortly and I can't wait for our users to hear it. Thank you awesome. so, well, thanks much so much for being for here, Dwayne. Have a good day.
1: Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. See you.
0: We went way over the allotted time limit and I am so glad we did because I learned so much in this episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackson, for being here and answering all of our questions on men's health. If you like this episode of the podcast, make sure that you subscribe to get future episodes. We'll see you next time.